0: My darling. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. I am too. I, I find it so fascinating how you and I got connected. So to share with everyone else, you and I have never met in person. We don't really know each other, but uh, a few months ago, I just stumbled upon one of your podcast episodes. I believe it was about unrequited love and you brought up the word limerence. And at that time in my life, it was just very uh, a very powerful topic. And something I really uh, resonated with a lot. And then I started listening to some of your other podcasts and I just thought that they are great. So Amanda has a podcast called New View Advice, right? Yes. And I just happened to reach out to her and said, hey, I, I listened to this episode. I really resonated with it. Would you happen to want to be a guest on my podcast? And she happily agreed. (laughs) so thank you again my friend Um, real quick I want to talk more about you and your journey so again you have this podcast you View advice how long have you been doing that I have been doing it for two years I just I think it's phenomenal there are so many people that I've chatted to recently that want to start a podcast but for whatever reason haven't Um, that's a, a topic for another day but let's talk more about you and your journey like really what has happened to you to lead you to where you are today
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I started Nuvia Advice two years ago. It's a healing-centered advice podcast where I offer guidance for the healing journey. So my podcast is based off of listener questions. I started it because I started my healing journey in my early 20s after the death of a close friend. And then through my healing journey, I also healed from sexual assault, repressed memories, childhood trauma. I healed my relationship dynamics, and I'm still healing. I never claimed to be fully healed. But I found in 2021 that I just came across so many people suffering and so many people struggling with their mental health. And I just kept reading these stories that were just breaking my heart. There was one specifically about a young teen girl who had experienced something similar to what I had survived who actually ended up dying by suicide. And it was just one of those moments where I was like, I have to do something. I have to do something. I didn't know what I could do. And... New view advice is what came to me starting a podcast. I just wanted to create a place for tough conversations. I've found that so many things that I've survived, people are very uncomfortable talking about. And when you're healing, sometimes all you want to do is talk about what you're healing because it's so present on your mind. And I wanted to create a space where people could have these conversations, where people felt seen and safe to dive deeper into some of the hardest things that they've experienced, as well as things that are often very taboo or covered with shame. One of the topics I talk about a lot is cheating and infidelity. And I didn't mean to uh, talk about it so much, but it's my most requested episode. I received so many questions about it. And I think it's because it's a very misunderstood topic and there's a lot of shame around it in society. And I'm just grateful that I've created a space where we can have more of an adult conversation is how it feels, like really diving into why people cheat and not just saying once a cheater, always a cheater. In life, I believe everything we do, we have a reason for, even if we're unconscious of it. So I guess that's a long answer to your question, but that's why I started my podcast.
0: No, not at all. I love that, the healing journey. I feel like you and I were chatting about personal development a bit earlier. And part of my messaging here is, helping introduce more people to their own personal development. And so helping them get on their own personal development journey or healing journey, to me, those kind of go hand in hand and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, one-on-one. But I just think it's fascinating that you said that what led you to start your podcast, because you were noticing how many people were struggling or suffering. And I was literally just thinking this morning How many people I've spoken to recently that just seem like they are struggling? You know, it's not all the same thing. Everybody has different problems in life, um, but they're just struggling. And I love that you decided to do something about it to help. And that's part of why I wanted to start my podcast, because I wanted to share with people that, hey, we all struggle. It's just that we all have different struggles. And, you know, one of my favorite things to tell my friends is, we all have problems. If we all took our problems and threw them out for everyone else to see, you'd probably want to grab your problem back. Yeah. And so I just, I love that you did that. And I'm sure you had to overcome some, some stuff because starting something is not easy, right? We all start from a but I want to know how much you've learned and how much you've developed over the last two years of, of starting your podcast. And like, what's the biggest thing you've learned from doing it?
1: It has been a constant learning experience. I think starting your own anything, but specifically like starting a business, being an entrepreneur or starting a creative endeavor, it's just like a constant battle with yourself. I feel like I've hit every, and I continue to hit, so I haven't hit every, but I hit every limiting belief along the way. It's like, I feel like I catch my stride and then I hit another thing. And it can be something like not feeling like I'm enough, comparing myself to others hitting my own walls, trying to figure out what working it looks like for me. That's been a big one for me is how much self-care I need in order to show up for others. I have such a big heart and I love to give. You talked about your love of humanity. I love humanity. I love people and I truly believe we live in a world with hurt people. I don't believe people are born bad. I believe that people live with things that you can't imagine, kind of like what you were just saying, where it's like, we the world needs more compassion, which is a reason I started my podcast. But in order to provide those safe spaces, I pride myself on, it takes an incredible amount of self-care and learning to prioritize myself while showing up for others has probably been my biggest challenge, but also incredibly rewarding to see that Each time I allow myself to fill my own cup or I allow myself just a day of self-care, the next day I can be incredibly creative or I show up and I'm able to just like be so present that it's an honor for myself to witness. But learning that what the outside world makes working look like, like a nine to five Monday through Friday, that's just not how I'm ever going to operate. And that's been one of the, that's been a challenge for me to accept about myself Along the way,
0: yeah tell me, what is it that you found has helped you persist
1: through those barriers that have come up for you? I think one thing is that I love what I do. So I really love offering advice. I love helping people heal, and I love creating a compassionate space. So and I love creation. I love creating. It's my happy place. So, Each time I feel like I knock myself down because that's who I feel like knocks me down is me. It's the love of creating and the love of connecting with community that helps me to get myself back up again. Also, I walk my talk. I do a lot of healing work. It's probably what I do as my full-time job. I look at my inner world. I look at the triggers that are arising, which is another challenge that's arisen for me because as a survivor of sexual assault, The idea of being seen to the level I am and continue to be seen at challenges me regularly and challenges my inner sense of safety. So it's a blessing to challenge myself because I do deserve to be seen. I deserve to have a voice. So does everyone else. But it's been a challenge to navigate that.
0: I think there's a lot of challenges when you choose to go through your personal development journey, right? I feel like you feel like you make progression and then something happens to where you have regressed and you're like, oh, I've already learned this lesson. Why is it so hard? Then you go at it again. So I, I liken it to exercising a muscle, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a journey. It's not a destination. You're going to grow till you die. And uh, I wrote this down the other day. Enjoy the journey and honor the struggle. Mm, I love that. Anything worthy of attaining in life is not going to come easy, right? Yeah. But I feel like a lot of times, I don't know if you're anything like me, I have to be very aware of trying to be in the now and staying present because the way my brain is wired most of the time is I'm always wondering what's next, what's next, what's coming? Everything's a big question mark and that's where my focus goes and that's not where I want it to go. So I have to sort of retrain and rewire myself to to be more present. And to do just that, enjoy the journey and honor the struggle, right? The only the only place we are all racing to get to is sure death. Yeah. And I just uh, you'll notice I have this big clock behind me, and it's sort of a visual reminder, Amanda, that you know if if I'm lucky enough to make it to my deathbed one day, where I'm able to sit there and reflect back on my life, the question I don't want to ask, uh, or or rather when i when I do reflect back and ask myself, you know did i did I lead a good life? Did I live a good life? I don't want to have regrets because mm-hmm. when I'm sitting on that deathbed, there's no more time. It's over. I've had my chances. And so it's that for me, and I don't know if it's the same for you, that helps me propel through the fear, that helps me propel through the self-doubt, that helps me stay curious, right? Um, so I don't know if you have any thing to add to that, but I just, I have to say, I'm really, really proud of you for being consistent and disciplined. Um, because I think a lot of us want to do things and learn things, but when it gets hard, we quit.
1: Yeah. And I want to say about like consistency and discipline, because I, I think people think, oh, there's those who are disciplined and then there's me. And it's like, I never identified with being consistent or disciplined. These are skills I have developed It's not something that comes natural to me, especially as a creative. I just want to be in the flow. I just want to create what I want to create when I want to create it. And that's not how it works. I have to show up when I don't want to show up and I have to show up consistently. And then my creativity almost learns like, oh, we show up now. But there's skills you have to develop. Like you were saying, I do have to train myself and my brain to show up in certain ways and I also have to be kind to myself on those days that it's extremely hard for me to do that. And that sometimes I fall short. I can be my biggest critic for sure, working on that. That's a constant thing I'm working on being kind to myself. And I think it's easy for us all to be unkind to ourselves when we don't meet our goals. But I think it's important to learn that self compassion because that's what helps me to get back up again and to take those steps that I have to take to move forward rather than falling back and giving up or not trying is being kind to myself. I also like to honor my younger versions of myself. I talk a lot about inner child work on my podcast, but on the really hard days, I think about my teenage self specifically and how I want to show up in the world as somebody she would admire of who she needed and who she could rely on. So that motivates me to keep going.
0: I love that. That's so powerful. I want to switch gears and talk about the sober journey. So you and I were chatting earlier and something we had in common is that we are both sober at the moment. Um, What I found fascinating was that you kind of started your sober journey the same way I did. So, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, I'll just explain every new year that comes around most people will either have their new year's resolutions or some people will pick a word for the year well i was in this headspace of truly believing that we grow outside of our comfort zones right so get comfortable being uncomfortable but the question i asked myself was what one thing could i do this year to make myself uncomfortable on purpose and it was i'm not going to drink for one year and um I want you to kind of share your story about sober because something I found fascinating in your story, and I don't want to share it, I want you to, was you kind of had a similar thing to to say that, you know, you were not going to drink for one year, but now where you are on your journey. So kind of take a moment and just share that with us.
1: Yeah. So when I gave up alcohol, I had only planned on doing it for 12 months. So in my head, I called it 12 months of sobriety. I actually started mine on a February 1st rather than a January 1st because January 1st came around and my January was just as I just knew something in my life had to change. And for me, I was drinking a lot at the time. My drinking definitely increased during the pandemic. It just became a habit for me the five o'clock glass of wine. And I was like, all right, like, let's kick this. Let's try a year without it. I felt like in a year I would be able to evaluate if alcohol was serving me, if I wanted it in my life. But I felt like in a year you go through every situation you're going to go through, you go through the holidays, you go through nights with friends, you go through dinners, you go through weddings. So because weddings were the hardest one for me. But I decided to give up alcohol for twelve months, and through that, I discovered my creativity in a new way. That's actually when I started my podcast because I had all this extra time. I used to just stop the day at five, and then it was like, "There's all these hours before bedtime. What am I going to do with my time?" Uh, so I, that's when I decided to start my podcast. But I also figured out that alcohol was keeping me from being creative. That's the gift I was given through sobriety and is the reason I won't return to drinking was because I was not even close to as creative as I am now when I drank. I feel like I was numbing my gift with alcohol and now I get to embrace that gift. Thank you for sharing that
0: because what's fascinating and what I want to share with you is I am six months no alcohol at the moment. And at least two of my friends, these are people that are close to me that, that know that I've chosen to, to do this and go down this path this year, have said something along the lines of, are, are you drinking yet? And I know they come from a place of love, but what was funny to me was the fact that usually when people have New Year's resolutions or want to start something, they go for it a little bit for a little while, and then they quit. Right, I think that's innately what typically happens, and so people have been trained to think, oh, you know, they'll quit at some point. Well, I haven't. I've, I've remained committed to what I promised myself. Right, I, I have to stay disciplined and honor that, or whatever you want to call it, thing that I said I was going to do. Right, there's a lot of honor in that. Has it been easy? No right? There's plenty of times I've gone to Vegas, I've gone to parties, I've gone out and there's alcohol everywhere you look. It's just like part of society. And half the time, we don't even know why we drink, but we just do. It's everywhere. And I've learned a lot about myself through those situations. I mean, I really don't need to drink to have a good time is one of them. Um, And two, I feel like when my year is up, will I go back to drinking? And I Right now, I just don't think I will. And it's just fascinating to me that that's kind of the journey that you went on. You said, I'm going to do this for a year. And then you learned so much about yourself that you kept going. So how long has it been now that you've been sober? Two and a
1: half years. Yeah, I went sober February, 2021. So I'm about two and a half years.
0: It's fascinating. Actually, one of my other friends just shared with me the other day that she's now quit drinking as well because she was drinking one day and then wake up the next day and she's like, why do I do this to myself? And that's a great question to ask. I think a very intentional question to ask is, why do I drink?
1: Yes, that's what I always say when I talk about sobriety is you don't even have to give up alcohol. But I think everybody should get intentional about why they drink and when they pick up a drink. Because they think that it just becomes such a program and such a pattern. Or we do it just because we're in social situations. That's something I also discovered was that it just was, everybody else was doing it. So I would do it. And it's like that silly saying, like if everybody else jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? And it's just figuring out and becoming intentional about all our actions. I feel like it's so important to bring intention to everything we do. I think that's how we honor the life we have is by being intentional with it. A
0: thousand percent. Intentional is a, is a huge word for me, especially this year. I think that's fantastic. Um, Let's talk a little bit about unrequited love. Like I said, when I stumbled upon that episode, I, I, I still to this day don't know exactly how I did, but it just resonated with me so much because of what I was experiencing in that moment in my life. Mind you, this was a few months ago. You spoke about that topic for a reason. So do you mind sharing a little bit of your journey as it relates to unrequited love? And a word that you use that I want to bring up is limerence.
1: Yeah. So I had received a listener question from someone who was struggling with having romantic feelings for a coworker who didn't feel the same. And I realized this was unrequited love. I also had a friend who was going through unrequited love at the time, because she's the one who put the phrase unrequited love in my head. I don't know if I ever would have put those words together, but I was like, oh, of course, unrequited love. And as I did research, I realized how common it is. And I honestly think everybody's experienced some form of unrequited love. Having a crush on somebody is technically unrequited love, especially if you never tell that person. At least everybody can admit to maybe having a crush on a celebrity that you're never going to meet. But I think unrequited love becomes a problem when it becomes obsessive. And that's when that limerence can come in. So limerence is when we become obsessed with somebody, but we create a fantasy about this person. And I think this goes so hand in hand with unrequited love, because to me, limerence is often when we put somebody on a pedestal. So we view them as if they can't do anything wrong, or we think that they're God's gift to earth. We think they're so amazing. They're so special. If they loved me, they would fix me. And anybody who does personal development or is on their healing journey knows that nobody can fix you. Nobody's going to be able to tell you how worthy you are, tell you you're enough, fix that feeling of feeling unlovable or unseen. But I think the unrequited love pattern often happens because we're seeking for that outside of ourselves. And we create a fantasy of somebody either in our life or not, could be a celebrity that we put on a pedestal, or it could be somebody we don't speak to. And we think that if this person loved us, that would mean something. But the healing comes when we understand why we're doing that, which I think oftentimes sends from childhood wounds or from past relationships, past rejection. Um, and we understand that what we're really looking for is for us to tell ourselves those things, that we're enough, that we're lovable, and to create space for us to be seen or whatever the wound or the need that oftentimes that unrequited love is filling, it's often... There's a need missing in our life. So we're filling it the only way we know how.
0: It's so fascinating to me. What's the the biggest takeaway that you have for that topic or any advice you have for anyone that might, might be struggling with limerence or
1: unrequited love at the moment? My biggest takeaway is probably that I see that unrequited love is usually this coping strategy, this way of not being present. So when you're fantasizing about someone, you are not in the here and now. You are not accepting who you are and where you are. And you're not accepting the actual relationships in your life. A lot of people experience unrequited love with somebody they actually do know. So the co-working example is actually quite common. I've I've had one-on-one sessions now where I've spoken about that because I think people heard my episode and they're like, oh my gosh, yes. And you think you're present, but you're not because you're creating this fantasy about this person. And when they show up differently, you often make excuses for that person. And in those real moments, they're showing you exactly who they are. In your real relationship but the unrequited love keeps us living somewhere else like to me it, the biggest takeaway is that you're often not here on earth and we all so many of us do this like i'm not saying i never do this i don't do it in the love sense but i can live in fantasies of where new advice will go or where my writing will go i see myself on a stage winning an oscar for writing an amazing movie and there's nothing wrong with fantasies and our imagination and visualization but it's when we choose to live there rather than the present. And often when it becomes obsessive that it can really become a problem. Absolutely. Crazy. Any idea
0: why it happens so much in that environment with coworkers?
1: My guess is that it's because we spend so much time at work. So we create these relationships with people, right? And we're with these people every day that they usually are filling maybe a need that's in our life. So maybe you develop a crush on your boss. I had a client who we spoke about this, who their boss was doting on them, right? Telling them how great they were. And this person struggled from self-criticism, from never feeling like enough. And this person was always complimenting their work. And to that, to the person I worked with, it felt so good to have somebody fill that. And they were even, this person was married, but their husband could never fill that for them. Their husband didn't understand what they did for a living. So that need couldn't really be filled at home or they didn't think so. So at work, this need was being filled of being seen in their purpose in their, in what they do for a living, what they spend so much of their life doing. So it was filling this need. And I think that's probably why it can happen in the work setting is that sometimes maybe your spouse at home, if you're in a relationship or if you're not, um, you don't have other people in your circle who can see you in the same way a coworker sees you. Mm -hmm. That's just a guess though.
0: No, it's a fascinating <laughs> thing to to think about. It's true. You do spend so much time with your coworkers. I mean, something like that is bound to happen at some point in your life. Um, I know you also talk a lot about grief and relationships. So any any takeaways there or any, any advice you can give listeners who, again, currently find themselves in a weird relationship or crush scenario where it's unrequited or limerence is around? Anything to help ground them? Any advice you can give us there?
1: I think it's important to, well, with unrequited love and limerence, the first step is really to admit that it's unrequited love and limerence. I think it can take some time to admit that to ourselves, that we've created a fantasy or that we've created a situation that's one-sided. Unrequited love is really essentially one-sided love. And I think that the acceptance of that will often then trigger the grieving process Because when we're living in the fantasies, we're not admitting that to ourselves. And when we do, it's like, oh, my gosh, what do I do now? And that's when the grieving process starts. We have to grieve the relationship that we did indeed create in our heads. That's what happens so often. If you're living in your head and you're living in a relationship, you really did create a relationship if it was real or if it wasn't. And you have to grieve what you thought would be. You know, it's I talk a lot about grieving expectations so many times we create expectations for ourselves and we don't meet those expectations or they don't happen so much of the expectations we create are actually outside of our control and when we set our sights on those expectations and we live our life as if that's guaranteed we have to go through a grieving process when we realize that's never going to happen that we were living in a world that didn't exist we were living in the future we were living in a reality or a timeline that's never going to happen that's a real experience that we have to allow ourselves to have is to feel all the feelings that we're attached to that, and I think that oftentimes will connect back to that inner child, who often expectations and that expectation of something is from your inner child wanting something, and so I think that root healing often goes back to seeing why you create the expectation or why you have a situation of unrequited love or limerence. And often there's a small part of you, an inner child that didn't have a need met. And it's taking that time to really see that, feel that and heal that.
0: Right. It's so fascinating to me. Something that I am very guilty of, again, this is years and years and years ago with people that I was dating. I had a, we'll call it a habit of, you had mentioned putting people on a pedestal. And again, this was years and years ago. I've, I've learned a lot since then and done some self-discovery and trying to understand, you know, where does that come from? Why did I do that? And something I uncovered for myself was I think I like to see the potential
1: in mm-hmm. someone,
0: but just because, I, just because they're not living up to what I know their potential to be, that doesn't make them wrong. Yeah, and so I had to sort of change my way of thinking and become a little bit more methodical when it comes to relationships, romantic relationships, and really take more time to learn the person that is showing up in that moment and not me focusing on the potential of who that person could be, right? Like, who are they then and there? Because that's who they are, not who I think that they could become, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's fascinating to me that everything goes back to trauma when you were younger and things we do now as we are older or ways we show up that are unconscious ways. And if we don't do enough reflecting and kind of self-discovery and digging into, you know, what is really going on here for me? Where, where does this behavior come from? Because you need to understand it and I love therapy. I think everyone should go to therapy because so much discovery happens in therapy. And then I love coaching because once you've gone through therapy, you know, how do you propel forward? And I think that's where coaching comes in, but it's just fascinating to me that the way you show up in life is largely based on how you were raised and and what happened to you when you, you were little. So it's, again, it's just fascinating to me. So I I just appreciate your Insight, your sentiments, all the work that you've done, I think it's phenomenal. I mean, there's there's no greater purpose on life than to be of service to other humans. And I think that you have created such a phenomenal platform for yourself, a community for yourself, where you are providing immense value to people that are trying to heal. And I always say, you know, no one creates success alone. Even coaches need coaching. Um you are someone who helps others, and that's what we should all aim to be in in my opinion, because you might not be able to help and change the whole world, but you can definitely help and change um, something in somebody's world, even if it's just one person around you. and I think that's just such a powerful thought to have and powerful way to lead your life every single day.
1: Thank you. i um I'm like, oh, that just feels so heartwarming, so thank you so much for just honoring and seeing me and my work. but I agree. I think that more people need to go back to, which I have to go back to over and over again, too, because I can get caught up in what doesn't matter. But going back to why do I do the things I do? How can I help people? How can I be of service? And I often ask myself a lot. Is it okay if this episode helps one person? is that okay? Is that okay with me? Or do I need to help a million people or whatever? I can get caught up in the numbers and what they mean and comparing myself to others. And I always come back to, it's okay as long as it helps one person. It's okay. That's okay with me. Because I think that, like you said, everybody needs other people to help them move forward. I know that's true in my life. One of the reasons I started my podcast is because I have worked with many therapists. I've worked with many healers. I've worked with many coaches. I've spent a lot of money on my healing journey and it's been a privilege and I am privileged in order to do that. I'm very aware of my privilege and I wanted to find a way to help people who may not have that option right now to start start their healing journeys because I don't think, I actually get the feedback all the time that people are like, oh my God, they'll just send me an Instagram message and be like, oh my God, I had no idea that when my dad abandoned me when I was a child, that that would affect me. But I'm seeing how that's affecting my relationship. And they're just sending me this long DM, like where they're putting together the dots. And I'm like, yes, like that's it. Like you're putting together your own dots. And that's what I love to do. I love to see, I just love to see somebody begin to understand that There are reasons why they're playing out patterns. There's reasons why things in their life may not be working out exactly as they want them to. And there's ways to change it.
0: Absolutely. I want to ask you what you think of the following statement. You can only meet someone as deeply as they've met themselves.
1: Mm, I love that statement. I think it goes really well with, you can only love somebody as much as you love yourself.
0: Ooh, that's going to be a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow. Say it again, my friend.
1: You can only love others as much as you love yourself.
0: Well, if that's not a reason to start practicing more self-love and pouring back into your cup, and I, I don't want to make this just about women, but I think as women, because we are natural healers and we do give so much of ourselves, right? To those around us. Why is it so hard for us to pour back into our own cup and not feel guilty for taking five minutes for ourselves every day and, you know, stepping away from the kids or stepping away from the desk or stepping away from whatever's going on and taking our attention to be really intentional about just taking a moment for ourselves? Why do you think it's so hard?
1: I think it's just so ingrained in the way women are portrayed, women are spoken about. And I think so many people's mothers, grandmothers, I think it's just that really ingrained pattern within women to self-sacrifice, to sacrifice ourselves for the greater good, for the whole. Uh, We're taught to do that again and again. And as noble as it may seem to play the role of the martyr, I'll sacrifice myself for everyone else's happiness. Oftentimes, it doesn't work out as we hope it would. Oftentimes, people can sense we're unhappy or we become edgy or whatever it may be, or we just become burnt out and then we can't help anymore. And it's, it is is really hard. It's a really hard pattern to change, I think. I've spoken to a bu- many women, including myself, who struggle with the prioritizing ourselves. I love it. I've I've become
0: much better about it, and now I I covet my me time. I cover pouring back into myself. One of my favorite things is, "You cannot give what you do not have." Mm, I love that. But, it's so you know, true. There's, there's, there's a horrible um, case of of burnouts in in the healthcare industry at the moment? That's the industry I come from, and you know, not to say it doesn't happen to, to men, but the women that I was surrounded with. And it's just, it's so unfortunate the amount of burnout that we struggle with and how much we give and give and give and don't take a moment to just refill the tanks. And so, again, I covet now my time because I know that I can't be my best when I'm not feeling my best. And you can't, it's, it's an overused cliche saying, which you cannot pour from an empty cup.
1: Yeah, I agree. I've noticed it in my own life. I have to prioritize myself. I used to feel so guilty asking my partner for alone time since the, since 2020, he's been working from home and he's been home. So we spend so much time together. I used to get alone time quite easily. He would go to work. I would work from home even before the pandemic. So it worked really well. But when he started working from home too, it became really hard for me to be able to voice, like, I need space because I felt like I was hurting his feelings. But the truth is anytime I take space, I become a better partner by filling my own cup, by taking that time to just sit by myself. That's what I do. I meditate or I write or I read a book by myself. I come out of it and I'm more loving of the world. That's what has allowed me to prioritize self-care is that I notice this shift in myself, that I go from depleted and often cranky to that place of gratitude, where I'm grateful for my relationships, where I'm grateful to be able to show up for others. And when I notice that I start to become resentful is when I know I need to really spend time with myself and give myself what I need.
0: Definitely. Love that. Amanda, thank you so much. For anyone that this podcast has resonated with, where can they find you on the social interwebs?
1: Yeah, you can find me at New View Advice on most platforms. I'm mostly active on Instagram and TikTok and moving on to YouTube at New View Advice. And my website's newviewadvice.com. And you can find the New View Advice podcast on all platforms.
0: I love it, my friend. I appreciate you so much. Any last sentiment you want to leave the people with?
1: I just want to thank you for having me on and thank you for doing what you do. I think. Any person who chooses to show up authentically and to share their voice is a gift to the world. I think that people who show up for the sake of showing up, like we talked about, you don't make money for this podcast. I don't make money doing my podcast. We show up for the sake of showing up. We show up because we care, because we want to help others. It's from a heart-centered place. And I think that that's so beautiful. And I think I just wanted to honor it for a moment because I'm really grateful to meet other like-minded souls and people who care about the well-being of the world.
0: Now, oh, thank you. And I honor you as well, my friend. I really do believe strongly in my heart that when you are a healer and you genuinely love other humans, you were sent here to become the best version of yourself so that you can help elevate anybody around you. And so you're doing it. I'm trying to do it every day and I really highly challenge and encourage anyone out there that hears this message. If you're not already on your personal development journey or your healing journey, start, my friends, because you are going to discover so much about yourself. And it's not just about you. It's about when you step into those next best versions of yourself, guess what? You get to start helping others step into their next best versions. And and to me, that is so powerful. And, and I think that that's why every human was sent here was, who, who can I help today? who can i help how can i help them
1: i do too i think that it helps to also heal that divide we really see in the world right now i think that there's so much suffering and also so much division but the more i go in the more i see myself in the world in everyone else and i think that in order to heal the world we really all have to heal ourselves first definitely
0: Amanda, thank you, my friend. You are now in my sphere of influence. Everyone, if you haven't, go check out New View Advice podcast with my friend, Amanda DeRosha. And Amanda, again, you are a gem of a human and I cannot wait to see where you go from here, my friend.
1: Thank you so much.